Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hits Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shea, and today I hate how people get needlessly defensive when they hear an opinion different than their own. And my name's Kyle. Today I hate people who sit on their porches and stare at you as you drive past them. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) it's been a little longer than we had originally anticipated between episodes. We were going to go every other week and now it's been every three weeks for this one. Uh, And I don't want to bury the lead here because we, there's like a justifiable reason for the delay. And that's Eh. because Kyle, you kind of bought a house and got engaged since we've last (laughs) recorded. So it was was a big couple of weeks. Yeah. So what's going on in your world? Because mine is the same and boring. (laughs) <laughs> so it's just nonstop work. So I, you know, the past several episodes, I've complained about the house situation, how long it's taking. Um, we finally got the closing done, and the house is ours. We had a lot of changes we wanted to make, which included painting the entire house, including all of the baseboard and trim. So that is all done, apart from the kitchen now. Um, you didn't paint was the a- outside of the house, did you? No, no. I'll, okay, just, all just the painting all the interior stuff. Okay. No, sorry. <laughs> the outside is a whole <laughs> other problem for another week. Um, but yeah, it's just it's been a ridiculous amount of work. We bought a shit ton of furniture and have been like yeah. assembling it. And you know, her parents, yours and my parents, and my friends have all been really generous with their time and uh, helping us helping us bang it all out. So we bought the house well i don't know when this is going up but um the 31st of august uh and so at the time of recording july oh sorry yes of july um yeah sorry this podcast isn't going up for like another (laughs) five weeks (laughs) this is eight week hiatus um and so we've had the house for grand total of oh god seven today's thursday jesus christ um Seven, it's been like about 11 two days. weeks. Yeah, yeah a little like less than a week and a half. Yeah. And uh, we pretty much have it how we want it now, like today. So, all right. So, I texted you earlier today, like, you're going to be annoyed at me again. Because okay. every time I buy something, you have something to say about it. Because, like, <laughs> how do you have money? Like, because I know you and Kelly, like, you guys save up and, like, very rarely splurge and buy something big and Kara and well, I that's have just we been just get like fucked. there's money everywhere we get fucked all the time with like this random bullshit that comes up like oh sorry out of the blue we have to spend a thousand dollars on Kelly's car just like random <laughs> shit like that that's right. like our life but yeah. you know you guys you guys have it nice and cushy thus the house <laughs> buying well because we, we had been saving up for like a whole year and so we mm-hmm. had a lot of money at the time of closing and closing wound up only costing us like two thirds what we thought it was going to so we had a big extra chunk of money there that we had budgeted nice. out for closing that we didn't need for that so uh, <clears throat> we've spent it all um, <laughs> <laughs> on a bunch of shit so today my purchase today because um, I have my big 47 inch Sony Bravia TV that I've had for several years now. I bought it like when it was brand new for like 700 bucks. Um, and that's, that's a good TV. Like it has an okay picture. You know, it doesn't have a lot of the features in new TV, but it has an okay picture, has a lot of inputs. So I was going to use that for our entertainment center in the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized that we only had that TV and the tiny little like 30 inch TV that I had bought Kara who is now my fiance a while ago for like her birthday or something. 
and you have your like 30 some inch tube tv right correct which oh, you yeah. use like for your your my retro play, like, games yeah exactly you yeah. hook up your n64 or whatever to it yeah right now i'm gonna have my playstation one genesis and n64 hooked up to that and then so i we, we so we, we were like you know we i want the big tv in the living room because it's the big tv yeah and that's our entertainment center but like that 30 inch tv the size of our bedroom like we're gonna be squinting at it in bed trying okay. to watch stuff so and that's vital a TV yeah. in the bedroom is vital. I can speak from experience. That was literally our Absolutely. first purchase when we moved in together was buying a TV for the bedroom so that I could be out in the living room and she's in the bedroom. It is it has ceased so many fights between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> that second TV is the most important purchase of our lives. Yeah, well, because Kara, she falls asleep watching TV, which, of yeah. course, then, you know, I have to stop watching an episode halfway through of whatever it is we're watching. Um but like that's just how we end every day together is is we throw up Netflix or Crunchyroll or whatever it mm-hmm. is. So like that's important to us to have that TV in there and like a, a small little thirty inch thing from across a whole room like that was not ideal. And I knew I could use her thirty inch TV somewhere in the office for like if a friend comes over like they can bring their PS4 or whatever and we can hook it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to do that and then kind of look around for TVs and my buddy Cody, he sent me a text this morning. He was like, or actually it was late yesterday. I didn't get back to him till this morning. He was like, Hey, there's a 4k 43 inch insignia at Best Buy for $300. I was like, Holy shit, a 4k TV for $300. And then I looked online and I was like, but there's also a 50 inch for $400. <laughs> and yeah, so that's the one bucks, I bought. Yeah, that's, that's, that's. <laughs> worthwhile purchase for sure yeah and it's a hundred dollars extra yeah i have a brand new 50 inch 4k tv in my living room everything is plugged into it i have a four-way hdmi switcher with a few things plugged in my ps4 is not plugged into the switcher because that's the one i use the most and i don't want to deal with like latency in the switcher and all that so that's just plugged straight in and then um the nintendo switch was having some issues in the switcher uh ironically um Mm -hmm. So that's just plugged in as well. But I have... All right. Here's my setup. Yeah, so man, hit me. I have those Ikea shelves that are like those little square cubbies. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. And they're two cubbies by four. So it's eight cubbies total. It's a two by four thing. So I have two of those on the bottom sideways. So it's eight things long and two things tall. And then mm-hmm. I have two more of them stacked vertically on the ends. So okay. the ends are actually one, two six tall by two wide technically um and then the tv's in the middle and it's like the perfect amount of space and then i have a sound bar with a subwoofer in the back and it, it's go- it's wonderful so <laughs> i have the four-way hdmi switcher with my playstation 3 my xbox one and um actually PS4. no my, my, my nintendo switch is plugged into that it, it was the other thing i was having an issue with i just hooked this up so it's all fresh in my mind and i'm messing things up still um I have an AV switcher as well uh, for my PlayStation 2 and my GameCube and Kara's Wii. Now that I have plugged, because this is a new 4K TV. It doesn't have AV or component or whatever. Okay. Um, composite? I, oh, it probably, yeah, okay. It does not have composite. Yeah. It has AV sound output, but uh, not composite video. So I have the AV switcher plugged into an AV to HDMI 1080p upscaler a little box and so then that outputs the a the composite signal 
into the TV through an HDMI and it's upscaled. So it's just a little bit sharper, not by a whole lot. It does mm-hmm. stretch it kind of oddly sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's okay. It, it, it doesn't stretch it the full width of the screen. So it's not as bad. It kind of bars it in on the sides a little bit. So it's not as bad. Um, but it does make it a little sharper and it looks way better on that 4k TV. So I have the, those three consoles, the PS2, the GameCube, and the Wii plugged into that. Uh, and then that is my third HDMI input on the TV. So the whole setup from left to right, because I have those eight cubbies, is PS2, PS3, PS4, Xbox One, GameCube, Wii, Switch. And in the last one, we have the little metal thing, and it has all of our handheld consoles in it. Cool. Um, so it's pretty dope. And underneath those, that's the second row. Underneath mm-hmm. those are all baskets and they all have, all those baskets are filled with accessories and cords and controllers that correspond to those consoles. Now all the games are going to go on the sides that go up. Okay. Sure. Um, games, DVDs, Blu-rays, all that kind of stuff. So, um, we haven't gotten that put in there yet. Cause that will take a great degree of time and organization that we have not had yet. But, uh, but it's it's getting there. Also assembled our L couch, um, our corner couch that's in there as well. So the living room is effectively done nice. uh, furniture-wise, which is a really good feeling. Um, well, I don't know that it's done because you well, still no. need to get some like crazy fancy backlights for those like, yeah. IKEA little cubbies. You can well. get like your blue <laughs> ones for the Sony with the green one for the Xbox. That would be cool. Yeah, man. Um, but uh, well, really what I want to do, because behind the couch, there's a little stretch of wall right by the front door that we have a, a cute table by, um, and it's got the subwoofer underneath it. But um, it's just this perfect little, like, three-foot wide stretch of wall, um, and it's, uh, it would be perfect for one of those, you know, those, like, strip lights where it's, it's in the ceiling and it has, like, three spotlights, things hanging out of it, and it kind of lights yeah, a like little a, section. Yeah, like a track it's a track light. track light thank you there yep. it is yeah that's the term um it'd be perfect for uh one of those and you know if okay. we have like a picture of kara and i or something so um and i've not talked to her about this yet but i did talk to her dad about it and he thinks it's a great idea so you know how couples always do like like wedding uh pictures and stuff yeah. i want <laughs> because she and i want to do a renaissance wedding mm-hmm. um so i want to be in a full suit of armor and she'll be in like some custom medieval dress and because we're f- fucking nerds and I want to <laughs> I want to pose and like have it professionally done. I want to get a portrait done. Okay. Because that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like an actual painting. Yeah. An actual painting. Yeah. Kara Kara's in the dining room right now laughing at me. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like that's fun in concept. I'm not sure if you're standing in a full suit of armor like under lights in a studio somewhere that you're going to enjoy standing there for a portrait to be done of you. I'm also wondering if they could take a picture and then paint the portrait off of the picture so we don't have to no, stand dude. there the whole time. No, no self-respecting artist would do that. The whole know. point of it is to capture the mood of the moment in the painting. Yeah. I don't know, man. You can't do that it- from a picture. That's true. You got to bring it, it to life. It loses the soul. They need to see <laughs> inside of you. They're like mirrors into the soul. Yeah. Uh, the eyes. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. As lots of stuff going on. I have um, in my office, it, oh, man, like 
we picked a winner of a house in terms of like the furniture we wanted and how to set it up and everything because the yep. garage was converted into a dining room and an, uh, for us an office for them a nursery. Um, so there's no garage, which is a bummer, but the extra space is huge for us. Um, so we have this nice big dining room, perfectly fits the table we got. Like board game shelves and stuff are already up and filled. Uh, we're working on a whiteboard wall, so we're painting a wall with whiteboard paint, and then you'll be able to dry right. erase marker on it and stuff. Uh, it needs a couple more coats still. And then our office, we've got these three huge bookshelves that are stacked with comics and books and all sorts of nerd paraphernalia. And then I've got my big wood encased tube TV. And then <laughs> Kara and I, uh, we have these IKEA corner desks. And I have one corner desk. There's a middle extension. And then she has her corner desk. And it's like the perfect width right at the end of the room. So it takes up that whole wall. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And we have enough space so that finally we're not, like, bumping our chairs against each other uh, like we were in the previous place. So it's just it's going really well. It's been a crap load of work, and it's coming together really nicely. And I'm just – I really want it to be done. And it's not yeah. it's not going to be done before I go back to work, I don't think. It'll be close, but I don't think it's going to be, which is a bummer. Well, it's, it's one of those things where, like, because you own a home, you can, like, make it exactly how you want it. And since yeah. you guys are doing so much of the work yourselves, that gives you even more power. But it also makes it a lot more difficult. That's not not an interest that I have. I know Kelly's very <laughs> handy. And, like, she makes furniture and she loves doing all that kind of stuff. And that is not my forte nor my interests. So it's going to be fun for us when we buy a house. The back and forth of, like, do we get a fixer-upper where she's going to be doing a lot of work and I'm going to end up fucking something up, or do we get something that's a little more move-in ready, which is what I would prefer. Sure, yeah, and I I understand that, but, like, you know, if... So, also, we have a lot of people here around us to help out, and you and Kelly have a few, but I don't know that some of the people you are friends with in your circle of friends necessarily have the... um, uh, what was the term I'm looking for? The the skill set to work on a fixer-upper like some of my friends do. Like, cause I have friends in the theater business that are used to building mm-hmm. sets and painting and stuff, so that was helpful. You know, so I'm, her- try- I'm trying to get the, to the core of what you're saying here. So are you saying, one, you don't that have we friends. don't have friends, or two, that our friends are just not as good as yours in general? Or both. Do we have no friends and the very few we do have suck? Is that what you're trying to say? From what you've told me, you know, this is a narrative built on um, uh, anecdotes by you, Shay. So, Well, you know what? My friends, I'm sure, would be immensely offended by what you're saying, but I don't have any. So (laughs) (laughs) that's probably all right. (laughs) But no, like... You know, because I, I, I think, I bet once you got going, because I think you're similar to me, um, I bet once you got going on that project stuff, like, it's it's daunting to think about it ahead of time in terms of, like, scope and, like, oh, there's so much I don't know and that kind of stuff. I and mean, there's so much crap that I don't know either, but Google is your best friend and will have all of the answers for you. I did shock myself on an outlet. Um, yeah, which wasn't great, and I'm sure you know. Uh, you know, we, we all need a little spark in our life now and then. <laughs> These things happen, but, yeah. But honestly, for me, it's it's not even so much the not knowing how; it's the I I'm not interested. 
Like, I don't enjoy the physical labor. I don't enjoy, like, getting dirty and being covered in, like, soot and wood and shit. That's just, I don't like that. I mean, I don't enjoy that either. I'm not, like, man kind of person. Sawdust, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not that way either, but it's it's fun to create stuff, you know? I think it's why people have kids. Because like it's fun to create stuff. <laughs> I think I think it's a little different, but sure, at a core concept, yeah, I could see how those are similar. <laughs> but I like like I like the design side and the planning side. I just don't want to be the one to do it. Like I want sure. to fix. Like when you're talking about oh how you guys have your TV stuff set up, that sounds fun as hell. Imagining all that and kind of planning all of it. I don't want to do it though. Like I want someone else to actually do it, and then I can just have it the way I want it. Sure. I'd rather pay somebody. Well, there are people out there you can pay. That's for sure. They'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, I'll uh, do but it. But <laughs> really, with, with with all your video game stuff, uh, or really the upgrade to the 4K TV begs the question then, are you going to get like a PS4 Pro or an, Fuck uh, that. an that's Xbox a, that One X? That is a damn waste of money. <laughs> I then mean, why else get the 4K TV? I only got the 4K TV because it's like, I could get the 50-inch 4K TV, the new thing, for $400, or I could get, like, yeah. a 50-inch 1080p TV for, like, 270 280 So it's yeah. really and only, it's like, like, an extra 100 bucks, and it's the new sh- it's the new shit that yeah. eventually and will be supported by something that I get, you know? Right, the future-proofing. That was the yeah. same methodology I had, like, when I had to buy a new, new TV when our moving service fucking broke mine. Uh, it was just an old plasma TV I've had since college, 50-inch like just big plasma TV that was still working fine, but it certainly was old and it got broken. So I had an excuse to buy a new one and it was like, a, okay, do I get another 1080p TV or do I spend, or do I like get slightly smaller or not the brand I necessarily wanted to get the 4k. And I was like, ah, I'll just go with that. So I just got like, I mean, it's still, it's a 55 inch, like the nicest 4k. I think it's a Vizio that I could find online yeah, and it was like, I think it was five hundred and fifty bucks. So like, yeah, that's totally fine. When I bought my plasma TV way back, oh God, I guess this, this would have been in two thousand two thousand seven is when I bought it. It was seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah, dude. And now oh, I got like plasma. a super nice, and and it was an off brand. It was like an insignia, and now I got a nicer yeah. brand, higher quality, larger for a third the price. <laughs> it's absurd. right. Yeah. Well, that's the like way the thing about goes. the brands are so much different now cuz like the TV I just got was an Insignia. Insignia is not brands mean less and less now in the in yeah, the TV no, the, yeah, market it's, it's, because it's they're totally, all it's just so not, comparable. Yeah. It's not a Sony or whatever else. Right. Um and you know like you can it, it used to be the case that brand names meant something in the TV market, but now it's like buying the Oakleys over the Walmart brand of sunglasses, right? Like there is sort of a difference in quality, but it's almost unnoticeable. Yeah. It's more about that. Just the brand the name. name. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which like, I mean, if you care about that, fine, but I'd rather save the money. Me too. <laughs> because inevitably I'm going to lose those sunglasses and then I'm going to have to buy another <laughs> wear. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I also, in the office, I um, found out, God, this this house is great. So I have enough space for VR. So I, I had said, you know, I, 
I got the Oculus stuff installed and all that. We're all good. We're good. We're good. And I bought CCTV camera ceiling mounts uh, that have the same thread um, as the sensors. So I got three of those. So I have two sensors in the front corner of the office, each corner, and then one centered in the back. So I have my ceiling mounted VR sensors. And I just today got the cords necessary. I got a USB extension cord for one of them. uh, And then... Um, an HDMI to display port converter mm-hmm. cable for the headset. Because uh, I only have one HDMI port on my PC, and that's already being taken up by a DVI to HDMI cord. Um, so I finally got all the cords necessary today. So when this podcast is done, I'm probably going to try and hook up VR and, and see if I can get her working. Nice. Because um, you know, I, I bought that uh, USB bus, um, uh, PCI Express, so it, it it's basically takes up one of the panels on the back of my computer, like where my graphics card would be. So I popped that out, threw it in, plugged it into the motherboard, plugged it into the power supply, and screwed it in, and it works beautifully. Um, I installed the drivers and everything, and it's basically just four extra 3.0 USB ports um, on its oh, own cool. on its own bus, so you don't get like a data overload because you can really you can really mess your shit up by putting too much uh data load on a single usb bus like stuff will just stop working um Mm -hmm. so i got a brand new thing so that's not an issue you know just like i'm i think i'm all i think i'm all set and ready to go (laughs) knock on wood um god i uh you'll probably get an angry text from me later it's just like this shit isn't working yeah, I'm sure. Um, and I am the last person in the world that could offer any sort of advice <laughs> on how to make that shit work. Yeah. Like when you just started talking about your USB bus, my eyes just glazed over instantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But man, well, it's, just, I mean, it's exciting, dude. And I, I wish, because um, I'm, I'm gonna get to see you this weekend, and I wish you were yeah. able to come see the house. But uh, hopefully during Christmas time. Yeah, and you know. One of the very few blessings about living 500 miles away is, you know, speaking of my not wanting to ever do physical labor, like I don't have to help you do shit, which is like, <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I would love to be able to see you more often. And I'd certainly want to see the new house and, you know, congratulate you guys on getting engaged. But the upside of not having to lift shit and like paint is pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> Living it up. Yeah, Um, but I actually have some relatively exciting news. It's not like quite buying a house and getting engaged, but uh, it is very, very exciting. Um, What's going on? Fantasy football starts soon. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's not something that we're going to dive into on this podcast because I know you you certainly could care less. But it is like I I, this will be the third year that I've uh, done fantasy football with our little group. And um, for anybody listening that knows about it generally, uh, there are eight of us that do it. And this year we're going to expand to 10 people. Dad, actually, I convinced our dad to do it this year and this will be his first time. So I'm sure it'll be nice and embarrassing for him. He'll probably win like one game. Um, but I won the league the first year and then last year I got really unlucky with a lot of my good players getting hurt. Like I lost literally my top three players. I lost 
weeks one, two, and three of last season. And I ended up Jeez. like scraping it together and I still made the top four. I made our little playoffs, but I ended up in fourth place. So I was really disappointed with that. But it's just like it, it, fantasy football hits so many of the things that I really like. It's super competitive and it takes a lot of research in order to, you know, do well uh, in a competitive league. And like, I like, you know, ranking my guys, setting up the matchups. And it's a bit like, I mean, it's not not so much like chess because you're not like counter moving to what you're, you know, uh, the other player is doing, but it takes a lot of um, like competitive knowledge. And so I just really enjoy all of that. And so I've been listening to my fantasy football podcast. I've been doing some like mock drafts to get my guys to get prepped. So I'm pumped, man. Nice. Fantasy football. And even besides fantasy football, just regular football being back. Football's fun. It's easy to watch. It's a good time. And I don't have cable, so I'm going to be going over to my father-in-law's, like, at least a couple Sundays a month okay. to watch some games. Football nice. season. It's the best season. <laughs> uh, but one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about before we kind of dive into what we've been doing recently, and I know your list is relatively short because we just covered most of what you've been doing recently. Exactly, yeah. But um, <clears throat> I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and Kelly and I have had many discussions about it. So what do you do... For your caffeine hit in the morning. In the morning. Well, yes. Um, we have we have well covered the fact that you drink like eight sodas a day and you're gonna die before you hit thirty. We've talked about that to death. I wish yeah. you would I wish you would dial back, but I'm not your I'm not your parent. I'm not gonna force you. But like do <laughs> like do you do you drink coffee? Do you drink energy drinks? Do you do anything like in the morning to get that like early morning rush especially like working in a school with kids if it were me i would definitely need like a caffeine hit um no actually during the school year i bring a water to work and i drink that in the morning and then at lunch is when i get my soda you're a crazy person like yeah well so um if here's the tough part if if i consume anything in the morning my stomach will hate me for like a good three hours until lunchtime. So okay. I, I just just do water occasionally, like a granola bar type thing until lunch. Right. Um, but if I kind of do anything other than that, my stomach is really not happy with me. Um, that makes sense. The only time I do like energy drinks or coffee in the morning is when it's like show week at the high school. So mm-hmm. like I have to get up extra early. I need to like go, 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 go from minute one. Um, I'll you know, like run to Starbucks and grab like a mocha or I'll bring a monster or something. Um, so, I mean, but on average, those are pretty in interchangeable for you. You don't really like prefer a coffee over an energy drink. Um, I would probably rather have the monster just because yeah. like the, I mean, the mocha's good, but too much of that really makes me sick of them. Um, well, and I mean, like something like Starbucks barely constitutes coffee in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I things... don't, I will drink coffee if it is yeah. there and I go, you know what? I haven't had coffee in a while. Maybe I'll have a coffee, but, uh, you know, I don't, I, w- I don't seek it out on my own. I would rather mm-hmm. do the mocha thing instead of the coffee. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to go to Starbucks just because it's so expensive. And also, like, at my work, they have a little Keurig, like, K-cup pre-made thing. Okay. And so I get, like, free coffee every day. And it's high-quality coffee. It's not, like, made-in-a-coffee-pot kind of coffee. And so I right. want to take advantage of it. I just hate coffee. I just don't 
think it tastes good. And even like I'll go get special kinds of creamers and stuff. I recently got a it's a Hershey's chocolate caramel creamer, which sounds, oh, sounds mind blowingly amazing. But it's still you're putting it if you put chocolate in garbage, it's still gonna <laughs> taste like chocolate garbage. That's my logic. And yeah. I try, man, because I like because energy drinks i know they're so so terrible for you and i'll you know i'll buy ones that have like zero calories or zero added sugars or whatever else more trying to get a little more like of natural ginseng and taurine and like the natural supplements for energy but i know they're so so bad for you especially compared to coffee which isn't nearly as bad other if unless you're putting in like a shit ton of sugar um because kelly kelly drinks tons of coffee like that's her thing she obviously doesn't like energy drinks at all and so she just drinks coffee every morning and so she tries to get me to drink it and i'll try at least like once or twice a week i'll suffer through like tomorrow i i don't have any energy drinks in the fridge and i don't want to buy more so i'll just wait i'll just drink coffee in the morning and i'm gonna fucking hate it but i'll do it and it just (laughs) bums me out because coffee it's everyone's like, well, it's an acquired taste. I'm like, yeah, but why the hell would I want to acquire it? If I have this other thing that already tastes good, why do I need to acquire a taste for coffee? I don't right. understand. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I put some creamer and sugar in mine when I have it. Um, and I would say those, you know, those tiny little styrofoam cups, that's about the perfect amount. And maybe even just like three quarters of that. And then I'm and it, kind ju- of it just doesn't it. do enough for me because yeah. like, I mean, I'm with you. I don't drink like a big cup because I don't enjoy it, but it doesn't do enough for me. Like on the caffeine side to really get me up and thinking like one of the reasons I like the energy drinks is because, you know, you, if you buy a monster or whatever other brand, they're large, like they're in like 20 ounce or larger cans like that. I drink that throughout the whole morning and a lot of other people drink multiple cups of coffee. But again, like if I don't like it, the more I need to drink, you're just making the deal sound worse. Right. Like yeah. if, if I just had to take a shot of coffee and it gave me as much energy as a full like can of monster. Sure. I'll suffer through that. I'll take a shot of garbage for some caffeine. But if I have to drink like four cups of coffee in the morning, no. Plus, it's hot, and it's hot outside. I don't want to drink a hot liquid when I'm already sweating. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Coffee's the worst. It's terrible. <laughs> I will never get on that bandwagon. But anyway, so I've, that, that's that's been on my mind because Kelly keeps, like, and I get it. She wants me to be healthy. She doesn't want me to die. I get She doesn't want me to get diabetes. <laughs> so I get why. Like, her intentions are good. I just can't. I can't do it with the coffee. I can't. And I'm already dreading tomorrow morning. Because I'm going to drink some coffee. It's going to suck ass. And then I'm still going to be tired all day. So it's going to take away the entire point. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, So as far as kind of what we've been up to recently, playing, watching, reading, different kinds of stuff, I'm going to jump in because my list is like way longer than yours. Yeah, go for it. So um, in part part of it's because it's been three weeks, but... There are two main things that are kind of like constantly in my mind right now. One, which I mentioned on the last episode, we paid for HBO Now so we could stream Game of Thrones as it's happening. So we're paying the like 15 bucks a month, which is an insane price to have to pay for that service. But it is what it is. Just for two months, like fine. And because of that, we're trying to watch as much stuff on that, like on HBO products as possible to get the most from our money. So um, I mentioned, obviously, in addition to Game of Thrones, we started watching... 
Westworld, which we talked about last episode. Yeah. Uh, it's like a little, it's like a futuristic Western where the people that live there are robots and it's blah, blah, blah. So we started watching, we had watched the first three episodes and we started watching episode four and about 20 minutes in, Kelly paused it and she looked over and she was like, are you enjoying this? And I was like, nope. She's like, then why the fuck are we watching this? So we turned it <laughs> off and we started watching The Leftovers, which is amazing. But just to wrap up the thoughts on Westworld, things just move really slowly in that show. And like the initial concept setup is very strong, like a bunch of animatronic, semi-sentient robots living in a Western village. Like that sounds really cool and like a mashup of a lot of really cool things. Yeah. But they play the they play the mystery too much. And like it's very slow of like oh some of these they're not what are they? They're not like robots. I guess they would technically be like they're not cyborgs either because those are like cybernetically enhanced people. I don't know what the fuck you would call them. But these like robot thingies are starting to wake up and become sentient and um get like real consciousness and it's just taking too long. And so, like, every episode feels kind of the same, where, like, one of them will have an episode, and then the real human beings behind everything will try to figure out why, and then, like, it's super mysterious of, like, oh, the robot, when they go back, did they really fix the problem, or is the robot pretending to have been fixed? And it's kind of just like that over and over again, and we just got bored, to be honest, and, like... It's one of those shows where I totally can believe that it will get really cool towards the end of the season. And it, it is a very – it is the show is of a high quality. The production value is really good. The acting is very good. The writing, like between the characters, the dialogue is all pretty strong. It's just the way the story is being told. And they're not really making the most of the concept in my opinion. But again, like I'm sure it's of a high quality. The thing's nominated for – literally 22 emmy awards so clearly like it's a quote-unquote good show i just can't get into it and there's so much other stuff i want to watch that i'm not willing to put in like four more hours to finally start getting a payoff which is why we switched to the leftovers which is a show i've been tracking for a long time and i think it actually just ended and there's only three seasons a very short show like the first season was i think eight episodes and then like 10 and 13 maybe something something around that Um, but it's a drama as well. And it's basically the concept of that is it's real life taking place in quote unquote modern day where all of a sudden, I think it's 3% of the population disappears like rapture kind of disappears. Like you're talking to them in one moment, you look away, you look back and they're gone. And so the show takes place three years after that happens and so, like, there's never, ha- there haven't been, hasn't been any real explanation. Like, no one's figured out why it happened because it wasn't a traditional rapture like we think of it biblically, where God takes His chosen people to heaven or whatever. Because they make a lot of jokes in the show of like it wasn't just good people that got raptured. Like they talk about some of the celebrities, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm making I'm making these up off the top of my head, but it was like Oprah got raptured, the Pope got raptured. Gary Busey got raptured. And so it's like, it's not necessarily like the best humans are the ones that got taken. It just seems totally random. Some babies did, murderers did, like this one dude who's a pedophile did. So like there seems to be no rhyme or reason. And people have just had to move on with their lives without that ever being explained. And my initial reaction was like, 
I feel like people kind of are overreacting to this after having it. The fact that it had been three years and clearly like society had not moved past this. And I was like, that's kind of a long time. Like, I feel like, you know, like when 9-11 happened, it was such a touchstone moment in my life. Like as a kid being at school and experiencing like it was our generation's Pearl Harbor sort of thing. But like it's been... 17 years since then and still like a tragedy and like i try to take a moment when uh, you know that's coming up next month like i try to take a moment and think and self-reflect when it happens but like i don't spend time sitting and thinking about it anymore no and so i'm like i feel like that would happen with these people too like i feel like society would kind of move on but the more yeah. i thought about it like like if you think about it, it i think it's i think it was three percent of the world's population which is still like over 150 million people And so every single person that is left, someone they know would have been taken, whether it was a wife or a kid or a cousin or a friend or a coworker, everybody in the world knows someone that was taken and that there's been no explanation for it. So people have been like trying to come up with their own theories and there are like myriad cults like that have different explanations for why this happened. And that's kind of a big story on the show where our main character, he's a small town cop. He's the chief of police. His wife left to go join this other cult. His son is a part of a different cult and his daughter's Mm. kind of trying to deal with it in her own way. So like, that's a big story on the show. And I guess like when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I feel like this would really like fuck up the world. If something like that happened where there's no possible reasoning behind it, and you're just kind of like have to live knowing that you will never understand why this happened. And I'm sure because it's a TV show, like we'll start to learn a little bit more. And there's stuff going on with our main character. Like he's having visions and being people are like speaking to him in his mind. And he's seeing people he doesn't really think exist in the real world. Like that kind of stuff. Oh, um, interesting. Which I'm sure we'll learn more. Like I think Kelly and I, we're like four or five episodes in. But it the show is really, really fantastic. Really well acted and written. And like it's an example against Westworld of like this show makes the most of its concept. It is very mysterious, but the mystery is secondary to the characters and the relationships and what they're going through in their lives. Whereas something like Westworld, it's all concept. It's all mystery. Like there's very little real story in the show. Uh, okay. So I, those two were like, obviously, cause I watched one right after the other, but they've really been butting heads in or, or butting um, against each other in my mind. So if anyone out there is looking for a show, I would recommend Leftovers and not Westworld. But um, another show, which I know I texted you about after I started watching it and you shot me down because you're a dick, is Silicon <laughs> Valley. Yeah. And I know you you, like, you had watched a couple episodes and you weren't super into it, which is fine. I'm not yeah, judging you. Yeah, I think you. I've seen like four episodes. But here's the thing, man, and I tried to explain this to you too, was it's not an episodic show. It's a serialized show where the story is told from episode one to ten every season. And really, like, there are there are cliffhangers that happen at the end of seasons and things that tie together, but it really is, like, one long story. And so watching some random episodes, like, you're not going to get anything out of that, which I'm not sure if that's how you watched it or if, like, you literally watched the first four episodes. I don't remember. I don't, My buddy Cody yeah. showed it to me. So I don't know if he showed me the first four or if he showed me, like, the first one and then a later one. I I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, like, that show is 
fucking amazing. And it's been on my radar since it first came out because the whole concept, it takes place in Silicon Valley in California. It's about a startup tech company. They're developing this new app, blah, 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 similar to real life in Silicon Valley and kind of like all their struggles they're going through with trying to get funding and, you know, big, powerful companies come in and try to buy them out. There, There's a... Um, Google affiliate company called Hooli, where like they're the big, huge company that, you know, $100 billion company that tries to steal their idea and like all that kind of stuff that you would expect on a show like this. But it's mostly like the sense of the humor and the characters just really speak to me personally. And I made a mention, I, I did a review of the first episode or the first season rather. And I made a, a mention in the review of like, I think it's like the second episode. They referenced the ending to Mass Effect 3 as like an insult about something. And, I, and that's when I was like, yes. Like, this show gets me. If you're going <laughs> to reference Mass Effect 3, like, the for its intended audience, like, that that specific of a reference just really, really nails it down. And to me, like, this show is Big Bang Theory, but good. Because Big Bang Theory is, like, everything I fucking hate about how people look at, quote-unquote, nerd culture. It's... It's the outside you know, the, looking in. Yes. Pointing and laughing. Like, oh, look how weird all these people are. Aren't they so weird? And that fucking pisses me off so much. That show is complete, utter trash. Besides just being really unfunny. And nothing against the actors on it. There are a lot of talented actors on that show. But that show is hot fucking garbage. Silicon Valley is so smart and clearly comes from a place of love and knowledge and experience in this world. We're like you feel like they know what the hell they're talking about and not yeah. pointing and laughing. Like, all the characters, you know, it's TV, so they're heightened, and they're, some of them are, you know, archetypal sorts of characters, and there are certain things where it's like, I don't believe for a second that would actually happen in real life because it's a TV show, but it feels so much more grounded than a show like Big Bang Theory and not played for laughs. They're just really funny characters, and particularly... TJ Miller, who I've loved for a really long time, is like so brilliant on that show. And same thing with uh, Martin Starr, who I really liked um, way back in the day on the show Party Down that he was in with Adam Scott. Um, That show was amazing too, which really spoke to me because those characters were, or several of them were struggling actors that were working a catering job to like make money and try to make their whole acting dream happen. So obviously that spoke to me on a personal level. Um, But Silicon Valley, man. That show's fucking amazing. I marathoned the first three seasons literally in, I think it was, I finished it last night, so it would have been 12 days. So I marathoned the first three seasons in 12 days. So, Jeez. so good. And I can't wait to start season four. So, yeah. um, beyond uh, that. Just a, uh, just a small aside. While you yes. were talking, and it distracted me. You know, there's like Steam notifications that pop up when one of your friends start playing. Um, okay. I don't know who this person is because I think they changed their name, <laughs> but what, like you're talking about Silicon Valley and all that, it's it was interesting and I was listening and then I just see like this tiny little thing pop up in the corner. Long Dong Silver started playing Dota Two, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just trying to keep it together, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate Ooh. all the attention you're giving me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like okay. So what is what is Silicon Valley on? Is that Hulu or HBO or what? it's HBO? Okay, yeah. See, I'll probably yeah. never get to watch it then because I'm not gonna. Yeah, and and it's one of those things because like. Yes, HBO is such a premium service, and they have their own streaming platform, obviously, now. And, I mean, $15 a month is a lot to ask for that kind of service. 
Uh, but their the quality of their stuff, by and large, is so far above a lot of other networks, and especially like the big four networks: ABC, CBS, um, AB, or NBC, and Fox being the big four kind of yeah. cable or uh, local networks. Um, just the quality of their stuff is so high that since we're already paying for it, it's definitely worth watching. And if I find more shows, like there are several other shows on there that I really want to get into. Vice Principles is a big one starring Danny McBride. And um, they have another one, Veep with Julia Louis-Dreyfus that I know Kelly really wants to watch. That's like has several seasons, multiple Emmy award-winning show. So like if we can find enough things to keep us on there, we may pay for it for another month or two, but it's definitely not something that we're going to pay for indefinitely because that's just $15 a month is a lot compared to something like Netflix which is cheaper and has a near infinite amount of (laughs) shows and movies in addition to all of their awesome original content so right Um, it's a big ask and you know so maybe it's a case where it was Silicon Valley still ongoing yes okay yeah I think they just announced season five I believe okay um but yeah but maybe Um, it's a case where like if I feel like watching that or looking into that, then it's something I buy on Blu-ray, like a collection of the whole thing, you know, down the road. Right. And I mean, one of the things that's, it's tough with that show because it is so good and I'm really enjoying the ride and it's like an underdog kind of a story. And it becomes difficult because at like these guys are talking about literally millions of dollars that they'll get funded for and spend to try to get this thing to happen. And something will happen where it gets fucked up and they're going to lose their funding. And like, that's kind of the general arc of these things. And it's really engaging, but excuse me, part of the problem I foresee long-term for that show is the way they have to keep resetting to like, keep them from hitting that full success to keep the show going. I fear will eventually start to get old because um, I don't know what the plan is for that show. If they want to go 10 seasons or if they're only planning on doing five or six or whatever else. Um, right. I just, I hope so many times really high quality shows go on too long. And I really hope welcome. that doesn't happen with this one. Um, but even if it kind of does with the story, I just love the characters so much. And they're just all so funny that I'll, I'll be along for the ride. Um, so I mentioned two big things that were causing me to watch a lot of stuff. One being us paying for HBO and two being just my want and desire to watch more movies this year. I used to, especially in college and even back to high school, I was really, really up to date on movies and I would watch, you know, 30, 40, sometimes 50 movies every year and really being in the conversation when Best Picture came out. Like I had seen all of the nominees and I really made an effort to do that. And since I've gotten, you know, busier with real life shit, that just doesn't happen anymore. Right. And so I wanted to make a conscious effort this year to watch a lot more movies. Um, And so I've been trying to like, I I haven't really been doing a great job of it, but um, I actually took a little staycation from work um a little bit ago and just took a thursday friday off and just hung out at home for four days to like a little nice long weekend and it was amazing mm-hmm. but i also watched a couple movies in that time so i watched the lost city of z which stars charlie hunnam from sons of anarchy and it's based on a true okay. story uh which was then turned into a book now a movie um 
about this explorer, British explorer back in the 1920s when they were first exploring the Amazon rainforest and kind of, Mm. and really like in exploring Mexico and really just South America in general. And this is like around the time when Machu Picchu was discovered and they were like, learn more about the Mayans and the Aztecs and all these ancient civilizations that at the time, like they were like, they're a bunch of, you know, native savages there's no civilizations here. There's no society here. It's like these little tribal cults. And they come to find out like, oh shit, no, like there were real civilizations akin to a South American Rome. And so this follows one of the guys that was exploring it, looking for this quote unquote lost city of Z. And um, it's not a great movie, to be honest with you. Like after all the description and build up, <laughs> it's really, it's really slow. I really like Charlie Hunnam, and it bums me out that he didn't kind of explode after Sons of Anarchy. And, like, he was in Pacific Rim with Guillermo del Toro, and that movie didn't right. set the world on fire the way it kind of seemed like and it might. And, and he then just, he, now he never, he's in some, like, Arthur, King, like, King Arthur or something? It's a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, that, it, it was a flop, unfortunately, yes. and it didn't really look that great. I do want to see it, because, I, I, you know, Guy Ritchie's very hit or miss, but when he hits, it's, he really hits. Um, but, yeah, it certainly didn't set the world on fire. But, I mean... Being the lead in a Guy Ritchie movie is a, a pretty That's good thing. A feather in a and, cap, yeah. And, like, you know, my opinion of The Lost City of Z is definitely more negative. There have been plenty of people saying that it is good. Um, so, I mean, p- people that are interested in the concept make your own decision about it. So, I just it, thought it's, that it was... it's modern, and he's, like, no, going no. and looking... Oh, okay, this is, like, a classic... Yes, it takes place in the 1920s. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, that's one of the things that did bug me a little bit um, about Charlie Hunnam's performance. He felt a little too modern to me, like his mannerisms and the way he spoke. Sure. Uh, which, you know, to be completely fair, it could be because I'm so used to him from Sons of Anarchy, a show that I've watched the entire thing through at least three times. Like, I love that show. So it could totally be my own personal bias, but it did feel... He felt a little out of place compared to some of the other characters. The okay. larger thing is that it was just re- a really slow burn kind of a movie. And the visuals were really stunning. Like when they're in the Amazon and exploring and like going down the river and, you know, a bunch of random shit happens and they interact with some of the native tribes. And a lot of that's very cool to witness. It's just like the momentum of the story. It's very slow paced, which kind of lost me after a while. Um, weirdly, Tom Holland the now Spider-Man is in that movie as Charlie Hunnam's son. And this was filmed <laughs> before he was Spider-Man. So like, like this is before he became, you know, basically an A-list star now at this point. So it's just interesting to see him play like this small character that just has a couple lines. It's just huh. weird because the timing is so close to one another that yeah. it's like, it's kind of jarring. It's like going back and watching, you know, Platoon, which Johnny Depp is in and he has like a line. I think it's his first ever on screen right. appearance. Right. And it's just weird to see that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it's for people that like, like more artistic movies, it's probably worth a watch. I just, I I didn't get a ton out of it. Uh, I okay. also watched Logan. Have you seen it? I still need to watch it. I really want to. Yeah, and I mean my my opinion on the X Men movies is so up and down. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I mean there like, are I, I, there are some totally passable ones, and there are some garbage heaps. Yeah, of movies and, and you there. know I don't think that any of them are phenomenal. I think I mean no. the best X Men even adjacent movie is Deadpool, which was really good, but like. The first X-Men's pretty good. The second one's okay. 
or the second one's better than the first, I should say. The third yeah. one is complete garbage. And then, oh, like, yeah. the recent trilogy, the, like... Those have been whatever okay. It was, they, they, those, they're, I... They're going on too long. Like, there were... I think there should yes. have been, like, one of those. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, shit. Uh, first Class, I thought was okay. Days of Future Past, I liked less. And then Apocalypse, I actually thought was pretty bad. And then there's, you know, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then mm-hmm. there was The Wolverine, which was the standalone movie, um, just with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, which is, like, a separate story that takes place in Japan, which I actually thought was pretty good. And it's the same director, I'm almost positive, of that movie that directed Logan. And Logan was, like really really good like i was surprised nice. it wasn't it wasn't like like i'm not gonna com- compare it as like one of my favorite movies i saw this year necessarily but for it being an x-men movie is really really good i was very pleasantly surprised from the trailers it looked like this more emotional take on the character this more like emotional road trip journey with wolverine and that, that's definitely Professor what x. i feel about it and that, that's totally it. what it is it's okay. it's like uh, there's certainly still action to be had, but it's more so just a character study of Wolverine late in his life because it exists, you know, in the X-Men universe in the in the near future where basically all the mutants have been wiped out by the government and uh, Wolverine is, like, hiding with Professor X who has a degenerative brain disease, which, considering his telepathic powers, not having control over his thoughts makes it a little bit dangerous. Yeah, he's, so like, basically, a, basically like, a WMD. Yes, it's, yeah, exactly. And they actually, like, Wolverine, I should say, like, locks him up because there was this big event that happens before the events of the movie where, like, a bu- like li- hundreds of people were, like, hurt or killed based upon something happening in his brain. So oh. they're, like, trying to seclude him. So the whole, like, original story is Wolverine trying to save up money to get them a boat to just go out in the sea and live the rest of their lives there. And Aww. in the course of it, he gets drug in- dragged into... Another story with a young mutant who was created by the government based on DNA from the old X-Men. So this is how they huh. introduce the X-23 character from the comics. And um, in so in um, the movie, she was created using Wolverine's DNA. And so okay. it's basically like him trying to get her. He's trying to save her from the people chasing her and get her to kind of like the quote unquote promised land in Canada, which is also where that his his character's from. So it's kind of like a full circle sort of thing. And like it was just a very emotional movie for it being X Men. Like right. I was really shocked. Um, but it's That's super cool, good. Though. I mean, I, I I as far as like the core X Men movies go, taking Deadpool out of the equation, it's easily the best that I've seen. So. Definitely highly recommend nice. that one. And then finally, which we talked a little bit last time that you had see, um, seen, we went and saw Dunkirk. Yeah. Which I'm still kind of processing because, like, sure. it's just a weird movie. I thought so, too. I, I like, liked it, though. I know I liked yes. it. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's, 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 like, super artistic. And, I mean, Christopher Nolan doing, like, what he does best with his cinematography and his like use of music in the, in the movie is like off the charts. And I also, I think I liked that. There's not really like a huge through line story. It's mostly just like characters. Like these guys are stuck on the beach and they're trying to get home. And that's the whole movie is them trying to get home to Britain. And I just, I didn't expect that. And it kind of like, 
shook me a little bit because it was like it was a bunch of micro stories almost between these different characters and they eventually sort of converge at the end it was just i don't know it it felt weird to me and i guess it's just because i'm so used to like traditional narrative and like these big action blockbusters and this really like bucked that so much that i was kind of taken aback but I think I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so I, I, it was explained to me the numbers at the beginning. Um, yes, that, that's how they relate to each other. So, I mean, and this is, you know, a very small spoiler for the movie, and it's in the, the beginning of it. So they kind of frame, uh, maybe we don't even want to talk about this for people that haven't seen it. Whatever. Yeah, they, well, okay, so if anyone hasn't seen it, this might actually just be helpful to know. Yeah, that's true, too. So they kind of frame... Because there are multiple stories happening during the movie from different perspectives. And they frame it in the beginning. It'll say, like... I'm making this up. But it'll say, like, the beach, one hour. And then you're seeing a scene happening there. And it'll it'll show... You'll, you'll cut to Tom Hardy, who plays a pilot. And it'll be like, the pilot, one week. And then it'll show his scene there. And when you're watching it at first... I didn't get it because it wasn't as obvious as like the beach or the pilot. It was like metaphors. Yeah. And then like one hour or one day or a week or whatever it was. And I didn't put the pieces together. Eventually, once they start showing it, you realize that it's because everything you're seeing isn't happening at the same time. Like what's happening on the beach is a week ahead of what's happening with the pilot. Like for example, that kind of thing. Right. And it just, it wasn't that clear. Um, it, there, there was a very obvious moment where I put the pieces together, which I believe that moment was intentional. Uh, when it happens in the movie, I just, I don't, I wasn't a huge fan of the way that was presented up top. I feel like it caused confusion that wasn't necessary. I agree. I How did you yeah. feel about it? I mean, yeah. well, okay, so if they hadn't done that, you know what's to separate this from any other kind of war movie? You know, so I, no, I understand no, no, why he was th- wanting to lend it some artistic flair or like make make it a little different and give it a little something something. I just don't know that yeah, it was executed yeah. particularly well. And and I don't have a problem with it. The the story is not happening at the same time. It was purely how that was communicated to the yes. audience. I thought it was yeah. confusing, and it didn't like the fat the way that it was presented. I didn't think added any value, even if I had been able to figure it out early. Because if the whole point was to wait and have that reveal happen midway through, fine. But I think, for my personal opinion, I think that was a mistake. I think from the beginning it should have been established when things were happening and it really because they start to get closer and closer together to the climax when everything's happening at, at once and I, that some of that impact I think was lost the I way think that so it was too. presented. Um but my biggest takeaway about it was the music which I know you talked about um yeah. last time and like literally the entire movie there's like a and you don't you don't notice it until it stops. Right, literally the entire movie, and there, you know, there's actual score that comes in and out, and they they do different things with that ticking, but it's there the entire time. And I'm kind of of two minds. Like I thought it was really powerful, and so on the positive side, it just has this constant tension that's there because you're yeah. just waiting for shit to go bad. Because it, I mean, it goes bad a lot. Like these yeah. poor guys, like never get a break. But <laughs> it, it really sells that tension of like them just waiting to fucking die and that mm-hmm. i really liked i mean like is kind of a weird word to use in that sense but i i i, I it was got that it really it put me in those circumstances but on the other side and i talked about this in my review too because at the end of the day 
I'm a moviegoer watching this sitting in a leather chair in a theater. Like, I'm never going to be 100% with those characters. And so because it was so constant the whole time, I eventually got a little bit numb to it towards the end. And there's a really effective moment at the end where the music cuts out and you get that release. And it totally was perfect for the way that it was. Uh, in the movie, the way that was done. But I almost feel like if had there been one or two other moments in the movie where it seemed like things were okay, if they would have cut it there and then it comes back or like they cut it and then an explosion happens or whatever else, I almost feel like that would have been more effective and keep me noticing the tension versus like becoming a little numb to it. Okay. But I... at that point, I'm like trying to redirect Christopher Nolan, who is arguably one of the best directors alive. So like, yeah. that's, just, that, that's from, from someone with very little directing experience. That's how I would have done it because yeah, people should I, care. I don't know that I necessarily agree with you on that though, because if you, the, the whole point of it is that you notice it at the beginning, it's a ticking, but then you become invested and you don't notice it. It's subconsciously, creating tension in the moment for you and then so when it stops it's this like physical release of pressure for the watcher and so if you try to restart that i don't think you can recapture that at any point maybe. in the movie maybe. i don't think that's something and, that works necessarily and maybe maybe my viewing experience wasn't the same because i definitely had plenty of times where i wouldn't like i wasn't consciously thinking about the ticking but i was noticing it a lot like it didn't just fade into the background for me interesting i definitely was with it like the whole time and i don't know why that is if it's my like ocd tendencies or my percussion experience or what but like i was definitely with the ticking a lot and so at least for me I think it would have been more effective. Well, and if you they are definitely cut it out maybe one or two times. You're more analytical when you watch movies as well, and I, I sometimes make a conscious effort to kind of enjoy the ride and just stay along with it and everything, you know. Um, and hmm. so maybe that was a part of it too, because I think you, in general, think about the movie you're watching more than I do while you're watching it. Interesting, though, that you said you make a conscious effort to not pay attention. I do, yeah. Uh, I feel like I, I those kinda, things... You have like, to kind of trick yourself into it, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I will get really sidetracked with stuff and, you know, uh, not focus on what I'm supposed to be focusing on in the scene. I'll, I'll do that a mm-hmm. lot. And so, you know, before the movie, I kind of have to psych myself up into it and kind of really settle sure. in. Um, so I like to get there like a few minutes early if I can, and then just kind of mm. really settle back. And that's why those recliners are perfect for that. Oh yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've been playing some games too, but because I've been going on and on for a while, let's jump to you. So I know <laughs> you've played a little bit more Fortnite, So I'm curious to hear if your thoughts have changed on that at all. Not at all. It's still really awesome. Uh, and I'm still really having a good time with it. I yeah. don't know what my time counter is on it yet. I don't know how to check that on the Gearbox launcher. But I've played a lot of Fortnite, and I'm still going in for those daily rewards. And, and you know, I, my computer wasn't hooked up for a day, so I didn't get the daily on that on that day. I missed out <laughs> on one. I could be a day ahead, but... And what do you right. get from those? You just get, like, a loot box? Yeah, so, like, there's XP that you get for, okay. like, upgrading different types of stuff. There's different 
XP, like schematic XP for things that you create, survivor XP, hero XP, yada, yada. Um, and so some rewards are those. Some rewards are things that you use to evolve items. So let, let's say you have a common item that can only get to level 10. You can't evolve it. If you have an uncommon, that will allow you to evolve it once up to levels 11 to 20. Right, and if you have a legendary, it's like even higher and higher and higher, and all these evolutions. But you also have to be far enough along in your skill tree to evolve certain types of weapons and stuff. So it's like kind of, and I think it's balanced pretty well mm-hmm. in that respect because I was solely focusing on one gun, and then I hit a wall where I can't evolve it anymore. I have the items and the XP for it, but not the skill. So then that forced me to like oh i should probably like be upgrading some of my traps and stuff too so i did that too and that that's taken a bunch of time and so it, it i think it's balanced out pretty well but um cool. you know you'll get some of those items that you need to evolve them like pure drops of rain and other random shit um you'll get those you'll get um like the llama packs the 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 loot boxes equivalent um, you'll get some of those, you'll get currency every now and then, you know, it's, it. they just kind of throw stuff at you every day. And then every gotcha. seven days you get every seventh, seventh day, you get like a bigger reward out of it, you know, like a loot box. So, uh, it, it's always a steady little trickle and they have new daily quests that pop up, um, that you can do and those give you currency, um, and the currency can be used to buy more packs and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. it's got a got a pretty good loop. And, you know, I'll do a few missions and I'll fill up all of my materials and get a bunch of uh, traps that were dropped as, like, loot around the levels. And then I'll go back to my base, add them to my base, build it up, repair stuff. And I'll kind of do that a few times. And then I'll do a big wave base thing and fucking fail because where I'm at right now is insanely <laughs> hard. Um, yeah. And then build it all back up, and you know, so it's got a it's got a good loop. There's a lot of stuff going on still, but I feel like I have grasped the scope of it pretty well, um, because I was just in the first area before. But little did I realize there are several areas that you go to. So it's a pretty big game, um, mm-hmm. when you when you get down to brass tacks. But uh, yep, yeah, still playing the hell out of that and enjoying it. That's all I've really had much time for all all i've should say that's all i've made time for right sure um yeah i guess because i'm still plugging away at final fantasy 12 um i actually played a little bit of that last night still enjoying it i'll have like more complete thoughts once i get through it and finish it but it's one of those games where like if i want to kill an hour like listen to a podcast i'll just throw that on turn the volume off put a you know, the fast forward mode on and just grind out and listen to a podcast. So, um, it's a good relaxation game. Yeah. Um, but also in my little staycation, I had put out in the giant bomb group uh, on Facebook, just like recommendations of like, Hey, here are a bunch of the games, backlog games that I have. What should I play? And overwhelmingly everybody was like, you need to play Bastion. Cause I had never played it. I played Transistor and liked it. I didn't think it was perfect, but I liked a lot of pieces of it. Yeah. And so I wanted to check out Bastion. And I don't know, man. Like, like I get why people would enjoy it. It just, it wasn't super grabbing me. The, the world is interesting, but, which is, and it's a, a problem I have with Transistor too. Like, the storytelling is a little too obtuse. And like, 
there's not just there's honestly it's not even so much as obtuse like there's just not a ton of story there it's just kind of like world building and like the setting itself i don't know it just it, it the the story of it wasn't really grabbing me and i thought the combat was pretty fun and i liked it's very customizable like what weapons you want to take in and and upgrade and use and so i liked all of that but i felt like it was getting a bit repetitive at times and i think i mean i checked according to like how long it's supposed to take to beat i was about halfway through it so maybe things like drastically changed from a combat perspective late in the game but um i don't know it's one of those where like I totally respect why people enjoy it, and I think it's good. It just, there wasn't enough there that was super grabbing me, so I kind of got burnt out, and I picked okay. up um, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, which I played the original Tomb Raider on PS3 back when it came out, and it was like 2013. It was one of my favorite games that year, and I never got around to playing Rise of the Tomb Raider. And so I want to play that in the near future. And I was like, you know what? I really like Tomb Raider. I got the Definitive Edition on PS4 for free from PlayStation Plus. Let me play that. And um, the game's still good. The graphics don't hold up like amazingly well, even for it having been ported and upgraded to PS4. Uh, the game doesn't look that great. And they added like hair physics for Lara, which I actually think are bad. But one <laughs> of the other things that like jumped out at me, which I don't remember from the original game. So I wonder if it was like a, a something about the port that they adjusted. But the camera is really bad in this version that I played. Like it's, you can manipulate it with the right you know, joystick, but... It's set in like a cinematic angle in third person, but it like moves with you. So it's almost like it's hard to explain in an audio format, but like if the character of Lara, like if you put your hand out in front of you, like that distance from your eyes to your hand and like you move your hand, but you don't move your head. That's normally how like the camera would work. But this it's like that distance, the camera's locked on a point so that like when she bobs as she runs the camera also bobs in the uh. same way and it's really jarring and like almost motion sickness indu- inducing it was like really really weird that i don't remember from the first game because i feel like if it was in the first game like the original version it would have bothered me like this so i don't know it, it was just really bizarre and kind of bummed me out because it definitely hurt my experience a lot playing it um, but just in general, like the exploration is really good in that game. Uh, the story becomes a little bit nonsensical at the end, like with the whole like Japanese army controlling the elements. It's really it gets weird. a little Indiana Jones weirdness at the end that I didn't think yeah. was like totally necessary. But um, the combat's just really good, and I like that character of Lara that that take on the character and modernization. Yeah, me too. I'm um, getting a little a little bit away from like the TNA. I mean, she's still like a really hot British chick. So there is that, but like, it's not nearly as bad as the original games. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. With her like polygonal pointy boobs. Yeah. She's like Um, the original booth, babe. Yes, exactly. But I'm super excited to dive into rise of the tomb Raider and kind of see the changes and updates that they made on that game. So I'm going to try to get to that, uh, this year. So we'll see what happens. Um, so I mean, anything else that you've been up to recently or, uh, I've just been watching uh, a lot of stuff on Giant Bomb. You mentioned the Facebook group. I, they've been putting mm-hmm. out a lot of video features, so I've been trying to consume that content while putting furniture and stuff together. Yeah, um, they have yeah, a I lot would imagine of really that's good like stuff good background on. stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. big time. Um, so I'm way behind on my Game Grumps YouTube videos because Kara and I watch those together. I literally mm-hmm. have like 15 or 16 of those that I need to watch. 
Um, but I've been trying and to keep up with the giant bomb stuff. I'm like tangentially aware of Game Grumps. Do they do like sketches or do they do reviews or like what kind of stuff do they do? Just commentary over gameplay. Gotcha. And it's funny commentary over absolute shit gameplay. That's <laughs> what they specialize in. <laughs> Seems to be I, a common I, shit I nowadays. Yeah, I rarely watch their videos because sure. Aaron, the main guy, he's so bad at games that I just I can't watch him play anything. Because <laughs> like they're playing Sonic Unleashed right now, which is a total shit game, and like sure. he keeps fucking up. And and I'm sure the controls are bad. He's playing on the Wii. Like it probably really sucks. But I just I can't watch him be terrible at the game and still right. find him funny. So I like I can't watch those. I just put those to the side on my other monitor and I play a game or whatever and Kara watches and then also remarks on how terrible he is at playing. <laughs> um uh yeah. One other thing that I just remembered, I tried to set up mods on Fallout 4 on my PS4. Okay. Because obviously like they updated the games so that you could play with mods on Skyrim and Fallout 4. Yeah. And I really liked Fallout 4. It was my favorite game from 2015. I know a lot of people shit on it. I don't know why. I thought it was really good. I don't know why but, either. But um like I wanted an excuse because I got the platinum trophy and I wanted an excuse to go back to it because I wanted to like experience the story again. And uh, so I thought, oh, hey, mods would be a perfect like opportunity to do that. I knew on PS4 they were going to be limited because you could only use vanilla assets. But I was looking online to try to still like see, you know, is it still worth playing with mods? Like, are there enough on there that make it worthwhile? And the answer is kind of like it certainly sucks that it's all vanilla assets. So like. You can't do, like, robust quest mods. They can't do complete overhauls of how characters look. It's really just, like, tweaks on things, um, which is a little bit of a bummer. But people have found, like, some small ways to get around some of the other issues. And so I got, like, a good probably 30 to 40 mods that I thought would update the game enough to make it, like, feel fresh the second time. And I just couldn't get it to fucking load. Like, I couldn't get the game to go. And, I mean, obviously, I'm not the most technically savvy person, but I modded the shit out of my Skyrim game and, like, watched tutorials. Oh, man, what was the dude's name? Because I could call him out. X-Cal. Um, was that X-Cal or no? Well. Oh, MXR no, Mods. No, no. Well, yes. I, I, I watch him to get ideas for mods. Oh, okay. But there's another guy, Gopher. Gopher on YouTube. He does, okay. like, tutorials of, like, how to... Not how to make mods, but, like, how to mod your game. The kinds of things you need. Like, oh, you need to do this in your load order. These kind of these kind of mods don't go well together. All that kind of shit that, like, I'm sure people that play lots of modded games already know and have known for years. But I certainly didn't. And he was, like, really, really instructive. And so I was able to get Skyrim going. I put in too many mods. I had, like, 200 mods at once. And so uh, like, it would just crash over and over. But anyway, I figured, like, with Fallout... It, because there were so few mods and, like, they're not going to make a bunch of conflicting ones, it should be easier to get it going. And the way it's just set up, like, it gives you no indication of what isn't working. Like, it, the game just wouldn't load. So I would start a new right. game with all my mods going, and it would just sit at the loading screen. And it literally sat there for 10 minutes. Because, I, you know, I was like, you know, maybe it takes a lot longer because the mods get it set up. And so I literally let it sit there for 10 minutes, and it's just spinning wheel. So like, okay, and I tried to move some of the games around or some of the mods around in the load order, try it again. I followed in as many of the instructions as I could, like in the mod descriptions of like, you should load this mod before this one, blah, blah, blah. But one of the great things on PC is there are multiple 
executables that will automatically put things in the right load order for you. And then you can make small tweaks for you know issues that you know of. But for somebody like me that doesn't know that much about it, that kind of tool is really useful. On PS4 at least, there's nothing like that. It's like you have to, it's all manual. You have to know what things are going to conflict with what other things based on the descriptions of the mods, which is already a huge pain in the ass to navigate the UI. It's set up in a really shitty way. It's just the whole thing was a disaster and it really, really bummed me out because I wanted to play the game again and have an excuse to play it again. Yeah. But more so, I wanted to play around with mods on on console because it's so much, theoretically, so much easier than dealing (laughs) with it all on PC. And I just like playing games more with a controller than I do on PC with the mouse and keyboard. So Sure. Short rant on Fallout 4 mods, and it makes me even more sad because I'm sure Skyrim's going to be the same way. And I just played through all of Skyrim and got the Platinum on the Special Edition, so I would want to take a break from that for a while anyway. But eventually I wanted to play around with mods in Skyrim, and I just don't know that it's going to be worth it on PS4. Because I know there aren't going to be as many mods as on Xbox, and if the UI and the way it's set up is anything like this, it's like... I don't even know how people get it to fucking work, so... Bummed me out. Yeah, that's for sure. You what you kind of have to do is, and this really sucks. Well, because you can favor a mod but not have it installed, correct? Yes. So what you kind of almost have to do is you favor all the mods you want, and one at a time you install it, load it. If it works, great. Back out, install the next one, load it. That's kind of Dude, what you the have way- to do. The way the menus are set up, that would literally take hours. Because I know. when you back out of things, like it boots you to the main mod menu where you have I to know. scroll through all of them to find it. It's like, no. Like if that is the, the solution they intended, fuck them. <laughs> like well, there's no way that's they how intend- you should have to do Shit, it. This is Bethesda we're talking about. Of course it's not Ugh. what they intended. They they intended for Todd Howard to walk out on a stage and say, it just works. <laughs> but, of course, it's not going to do that. It's a Bethesda game and a Bethesda it service. Just, yeah. The whole thing just feels half-assed. And that's sure. a shame. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. We're going to move on. We got some news stuff to talk about. Um, so, first, just really quickly, because I'm excited about it. We got an announcement that... Uh, the big DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn called The Frozen Wilds is now coming out on November 7th, which originally, like, they had placeholder date for December 31st and said it would be coming out ah. in, like, fall or winter. So I'm super excited. I pre-ordered that during E3 yeah, I because I wasn't paying attention. You yeah, like I didn't, DLC. I, yeah, I, like, I assumed... <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it was coming out soon, and I was like, and it was $5 off because it was PlayStation Plus and they had a sale or whatever. And I was like, I know I'm going to want to play this. Let me just pre order it. Assuming it, it was coming out in like September. And then when I saw the date, December 31st, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I just spent $15 <laughs> for no reason. I could wait. Yeah. So I'm glad it's coming out, you know, relatively soon, at least like before Christmas. So yeah. now that then, I've like yeah. officially finished that game, posted my review on the website, like I'm done with it. I'm super, super excited to have an excuse to dive back into it. For sure. Um, Beyond that, so this is, uh, I mean, it's like, it's sad news, but like, it's one of those things where like, I get it. So EA has announced that their Montreal studio, which is the studio that was in charge of Mass Effect Andromeda, has been absorbed into EA Motive, which, if you remember, is the studio that Jade Raymond is running. 
Um, I think they opened probably two years ago, maybe a little longer, and they assisted with the first Battlefront. They're assisting with the new Battlefront, but they're also working on their own Star Wars game. And I don't know if there are big details around it or not. Um, or wait, is this the Amy Hennig game? Maybe it's the Amy Hennig game. I should have I should have looked this up. But they're they're working on their own Star Wars game in addition to helping out with some other games. So EA Montreal has been absorbed into that studio, which like. I would assume is going to mean layoff for some people, which is never a good thing. But it's it one of those where like will. it's one of those where like Mass Effect Andromeda was a bad game. Like I'm sorry, I know a lot of people liked it, but it was a complete hot mess when it launched. So many inexcusable bugs. And beyond that, like because they put out a bunch of patches and fixed a lot of the smaller issues with the facial animations and, you know, falling into different things in the world, like that kind of shit. But there were huge, huge problems with that game that could not be fixed through patches. Like, the the writing was atrocious in that game. So cheesy and lame. And, like, the characters weren't interesting. It was just... I didn't... A lot of people would defend the combat, saying that it was the best of the Mass Effect series. I heartedly disagree. I thought that it was really floaty, the whole jetpack mechanic. I didn't it, think yeah, it worked didn't very well. Good. It was, like... I mean, combat has never been the thing in Mass Effect. Um, I thought the combat in Mass Effect Three was pretty good. Being able to it's like, sur- it's surgical. Uh, yes, you know, it, it's it's very, you know, it's um, I'm oh god, what's the? I guess surgical is good enough description. Just you know, it it it's snappy, and it does what it needs to do. But this was like none of that. It was all over the place. Like there was no. Um, I felt I had very little control over what was going on at any given time, especially with the jetpack. That thing fucking fly you <laughs> wherever the hell. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's sad if it leads to people losing their jobs. Like, I don't want that. Um, but the potential positive is that more support for the Motive Studio will hopefully mean that we'll see their Star Wars games sooner. More resources, I would, I sure. would think. Um, one of the dangers of this is... EA has started with their business of, like, getting a lot more of their studios involved in every game that happens, which is, like, more of what the Ubisoft model is, where, like, every studio that they have works on every game. And I firmly believe that that has led to this, like, homogenous open world feel coming from Ubisoft games that I think is negative and makes me, like, care way less about the games coming out of Ubisoft because they're so similar in structure, so I hope that that doesn't happen at EA, where it just becomes because everybody works on everything, they all start to feel kind of the same. Right. I have more hope because EA works on so many different styles of games, from RPGs, third-person shooters, first-person shooters, some with story, some with multiplayer, that kind of thing. Whereas Ubisoft, like their video game model in general, is like open-world RPG mechanics. That is every game we make. Some of them are first person, some of them are third person, but they're all the fucking same. So hopefully EA can avoid that. That's just a potential concern I had. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I'm still super excited for Motive Star Wars game. If it has any relation to the Star Wars game that um, they were working on with 1313, which I, the rumors have been it is the new game is inspired by that. And Amy Hennig's leading the writing for the game. And obviously she was in charge of the Uncharted story for a while. So a lot of faith for that studio, crossing my fingers. Um, so also... 
this is what is a rumor i don't believe it has been fully substantiated but there was a rumor going around that nintendo had put in a patent for a new nintendo 64 controller and so seems kind of weird but put in perspective this would make sense for them to do if they were planning on launching an n64 classic so obviously they had the nes classic they soon this year are having the SNES classic. So this would make sense in their timeline to be patenting an N64 controller to put an N64 classic next fall or Christmas. So I don't know. Like, how do you feel about the NES SNES classics? Like, do you have any opinion on those? I wish I had them. Uh, I think, I think it's a really cool idea, especially because they still work with your old carts, you know? Right. Like they, they have the games built in, but you can still plug your old carts in. Uh, that's, you know, I think there's you know there's a problem with controller cord length like right you know you need they mm-hmm. didn't have very long controller cords so you kind of have to have the system pulled out from the TV a bit you know depending on your setup um, so they could do with longer cords which you know you can search for online and get those but you know it's a smart idea um, to have all of these games kind of built in kind of some maybe it wasn't executed very well because you know they have kind of a confusing libraries for the two of them um mm-hmm. some games they included and some they didn't uh and i i assume that will be the same case with the n64 but you know like it's i get it you know they only want to do games that they have the rights for or the rights for are easy to or the permission for i should say are easy to obtain um you know i bet the n64 classic won't have any rare stuff on it Mm-hmm. Um, I can guarantee that. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff can get a little messy because those yeah. franchises and those series have been around for such a long time that things happen and makes that tough. But I think in concept, it's a really strong idea because as time goes on, it's harder and harder to find uh, functioning and clean versions of those old consoles and game cartridges. So it's like this is a good way of... Um, keeping those games alive um because you know digital media is absolutely the future you know it's the best way to um make things withstand the test of time whereas those physical carts like they have batteries so they hold the save and you know those batteries go bad over time and so you can't save your games on them anymore and if you need to replace the battery without losing your game save there's this whole weird process where you have to like hook up a supplementary battle a battery power while you unplug the other one and then put the new battery in and then you can unplug it all and it's okay (laughs) it's like it's crazy it's like those old arcade cabinets it's the same kind of thing what you had to do is if you needed to transport an arcade cabinet but not lose the memory you had to like hook it up somehow to some sort of a power switcher with a generator and carry the generator around with it you know it's crazy like uh it's just like a crazy series of things you need to do in order to keep that stuff um so i think it it makes sense for nintendo to do i think they've had supply issues in the past (laughs) um which i really hope they don't do with the snes classic um well but they've had supply issues with a lot of their console launches i mean if you remember the wii as well like this like artificial shortage it's so it's so dumb like i feel like it doesn't work to their advantage yeah, they it has to though because otherwise, like, why would they be doing it that way? You know, they have this massive corporation, all these think tanks. You know, like someone somewhere along the road 
said this is the way it should be and they have some evidence to back that up you know like they would nintendo would rather sell through their stock than have shit left over and like i i get that um but it's I not get even that, mentality. that it's not even that because like with the nes classic say they made a hundred thousand of them and they sold through those like instantly there were hundreds of thousands of other people that wanted them. So it wasn't even like a, let's make a million and we'll end up selling 800K. It was, let's make 100,000 and then 600,000 people won't get them. Like if it were me, I'd rather sell 7,000 more. Sorry, I'd rather have 100,000 left over than miss out on 700,000 sales. And obviously I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass. But like, I feel like there's a middle ground there that they're not hitting. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think with the with the NES Classic, they weren't sure how it was going to be received, so they didn't make a lot of them. But what they should have done is then come in with a second line of them, which they did. Yeah, didn't second do, round, which is confusing. Yeah, they already they already fucking printed all of them. They get they put them on the whatever fucking child labor line and had all the little you know twelve year old Japanese kids working in the sweatshops making those things. Like, why would they not make more of them? Yeah, maybe it's a case of like. They purchased the rights to produce this many number of these consoles, right? Because it, it, maybe it, it, the way rights work, it treats it like reproducing copies of franchises and stuff uh, digitally. And so maybe there was some monetary negotiation. There's some contractual negotiation where you can, all right, this is how many you're producing. That's what you're paying us for. And so if they want to produce more, they have to track down those people and pay them again, you know? Who knows? I Who guess knows? that's possible. We'll, we'll we'll see with the SNES if it has a similar problem. Yeah, what they what they I have think said. We can just chalk it up to Nintendo. So they came out and, and I rem- this is not going to be verbatim. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, in my brain space, I recall them recently making a statement about that because the whole Walmart thing happened. I tried to pre-order yeah. it through Walmart and they canceled it, but and then Nintendo came out and said and stated these will be available for pre-order soon. Like there will be plenty for pre-order and we will be shipping um a large number of them i don't remember the exact phrasing they use but a large number of them outside of the pre-order numbers to various Mm -hmm. retail markets who knows if that means they're still only doing one production line you know you never know with these people but um yeah yeah it's i think that and the n64 classic is a also a strong idea i think there are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who have um, an extreme amount of nostalgia and reverence for that console, especially. And that, like, yes, there there are several high, like, hard-hitting games that would be on there. You know, Donkey Kong 64, Super Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Time. if they can get right yeah. on board. Well, but, but, well, yeah, because that's that, that was my the second part of my point. Like, I feel like there aren't nearly as many Nintendo games for the N64 as there were for the NES, SNES. I feel sure. like a lot of what they would need on the N64, you know, like something like GoldenEye, which they probably won't get the rights to. Something like the Rare games, which they probably won't get the rights to. Right. I just don't know. Like, I don't know how that works. Um, I, I don't I don't know how they're going to get all of the the games people want 
onto something like sure. that. Sure. And I definitely think, you know, like I said, part of the appeal of these consoles is having new hardware that can play your old stuff. Like you can still plug your carts into it and it's new. Yeah, but how many and you people how many people are buying them for that reason? Like how many people have N sixty four carts laying around? It's well see, it's never gonna be just for that reason, but it is an added feather in the cap, right? You know, like yeah, people have boxes of these old N sixty four games and like, yeah, my N sixty four broke or I don't even know where it is, you know, I lost this piece to it, I lost that piece. Here's a chance to get all this shit bundled in one. You can still use your old stuff so you have that mental security of knowing that you have a place to play these things and it makes it you know, that along with the included games, the new hardware, all that, it kind of bundles together to create something more worthwhile for the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, you know, I just saw um, on Facebook they're making, there's a Kickstarter for a next-gen N64 controller, and it just looks like a, an Xbox gamepad. Um, but in uh, where the second, the right analog stick would be, you have the C-stick buttons and your A and B and stuff. So it has all the buttons of an N64 controller. It's just laid out like a normal gamepad, so you don't have the weird ah, shit. okay. I was thinking I was thinking it was the opposite, where it was like modern buttons laid out like the N64, and I was like, no. that seems like a terrible <laughs> idea. That's awful. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a... Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, there's a, there's a Kickstarter for it. It was already funded. It went up like two days ago, and it's like a four or five times its goal already. Um, wow. and I want to say it is, it's, uh, 20 bucks and you get the controller. So what, what's the usage for that? Like, how do you use it? You would people just be using it for ROMs on their PC or what? Um, let me look at the prototype gallery. I don't think it's USB. I think it's the N64 plug. Um, you actually use it with your N64. Correct. That's a very small audience. Um, do, 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 do. Um, the C buttons are slightly larger for games that use C buttons for more than just camera angles, like Smash Bros. The shape is very comfortable, modern, yada, yada, yada. Anyone that's using C buttons in Smash Bros. is a tool. <laughs> hey, you're a poser. down C, man. Pikachu. No. Um, the, uh, they have two Z buttons as opposed to the one. They're the bottom triggers, so you can hit it, hit okay. it with either, either finger. Um... Yeah, it is uh, strictly for use with um, the N64 console. It does not have a USB functionality. And how many backers do they have? Um, 1,734 backers at $51,000 of their $13,000 goal. Oh, okay. They were only asking for thirteen grand. Yeah. That makes a little more sense. Still, over a thousand backers, like that's a lot of people that theoretically have N sixty four systems that they're going to be yeah. playing. Or you know, like this will be a great solution for when the N sixty four classic comes out. Maybe. Unless the N sixty four classic comes with like a wired N sixty four controller built into it. I don't no, I don't think they would do that. Because even the NES and the SNES don't have that. You you just you plug the controllers in. Okay. Yeah. All right. They just have short cords. The ones that come with are short cords. I'm yeah, fairly certain those are not wired in. Um, I mean, as far like for these for me as far as these systems go, I'm glad they exist for people that want them. And like it's one of those things where like yeah, I would love to have one. It's more just I'm old enough now and fiscally responsible enough now to know that I'm not going to use it. Like I'm not really going to sit down and spend hours playing all these old games. Sure. So I, I'm not going to go out and buy one. Um, if they were more readily available, 
maybe like because I, I know last year uh, Kelly was trying to track one down to get me for Christmas and like yeah I would have like yeah, as a Christmas gift like that would be cool but I'm not gonna like go out of my way to try to pursue one or pre-order one or do whatever that's just eh. doesn't speak to me enough sure. also you know another feather in the cap of these you know these newer takes on the systems is they have a modern standard video output whereas the old consoles don't. So there's an ease of use. I'm pretty sure the NES yeah. and SNES Classic, they could just do HDMI, I'm pretty sure. Um, mm. That may be wrong. I might have to look that well, up. Well, I mean, I would assume it's going to have something easy to hook up to your HDTV. Right. Cool. Well, uh, moving on into the world of TV and film, it's a couple like little quick things that I thought were cool. Um, Fox recently put out an image of Josh Brolin in Deadpool 2. He's playing Cable. And so you saw the Deadpool movie, yes? Yeah. That's yeah. okay. I, I really liked it. I, like, I'm I'm pumped for the second one. I assumed back then that it was going to be Cable and Deadpool. Very famous long-running comic line that I loved called Cable and Deadpool. Um, so it definitely makes sense that this is the direction they're going. So they just put out a photo of him. The only reason I bring it up is, one, because he looks cool in it. He looks very real to what I would want Cable to look like in, in quote-unquote real life. And two... I just find it a little annoying that with as many fucking actors and actresses as there are in the world, why Josh Brolin needs to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the X-Men Cinematic Universe. And I don't know. I don't know why that kind of thing bothers me. It just does. And, like, even going back, like... And granted, again, it's two different studios making these. But uh, Chris Evans, Captain America... Before that, he was Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four franchise. Yeah. It's like, like I don't, I don't want to take opportunities away from these actors because you know I think Chris Evans is really good as Captain America. Josh Brolin's a phenomenal actor. I'm sure he's going to be really great as Cable. Uh, he's barely done anything as Thanos, so I can't really speak to that. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it bothers me. It just kind of does. Uh, the bigger problem is something like between the X Men and Marvel movies, where they had Quicksilver in the Avengers movie. And Quicksilver in the X-Men movie, played by two different characters, two completely different, or two different actors, two completely different takes on the character. Like, that seems spiteful. Like, they did it on purpose to piss off the other studio kind yeah. of thing. Um, versus this is more just like, I don't know, I don't know, I just find it a little annoying. Like, you couldn't find someone else other than Josh Brolin to play Cable? It just right. seems weird to me. Um, although... By that same coin, Ryan Reynolds played Green Lantern, which he was, you know, that movie was garbage, but he is a perfect fit for Hal Jordan and a perfect fit for Deadpool. So I can't, like, hold him, hold hold that standard super against him because I'm glad he's both characters. Uh, and I'm glad he got to keep being Deadpool after that atrocity that was uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. But, uh... I don't know. Yeah, so I just bring it up for those two reasons. If you haven't seen the picture, just Google it. He he looks badass. I'm really excited for that movie. Yeah. Um, they uh they being Disney have also announced more casting for their live action Lion King movie, which I'm still like I don't know how the fuck they're gonna do this because right. they did their live action Jungle Book, which obviously there were CG animals in that movie. But it was but there aren't any centered people on in Lion King, <laughs> right? Yes, it was centered on like, and I haven't looked into it enough to like know exactly what they're doing. I'm sure it's still going to be primarily voiceover. I doubt it's going to be like 
the Broadway adaptation of Lion King where it's people in suits or anything, like a bunch of colorful wigs. What if it's but, like uh, real animals? You know, like when like the lion is like, they give them food to like, chew while they talk. Homeward bound? Yeah. <laughs> where they just, <laughs> they animate the mouths. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good. I'm not sure they could get real life lions to do what they want them to do, hanging off cliffs. <laughs> uh, but um, the only real reason I bring this up is because the actual cast is really, really strong and makes me a, like, because like Jungle Book, it was directed by John Favreau, it's Favreau rather, who I like. I think he's a good director. He directed the original Iron Man uh, and Iron Man 2, I think. And he's also directing this new Lion King movie. Um, but I'm like, I don't really give a shit about these, to be honest with you. Me like neither. I saw the live action Beauty and the Beast and it was terrible, but, uh, I'm more interested in this now based on the cast. So Donald Glover, who a lot of people know from Community and now from the FX show at, uh, Atlanta is playing Simba and, um, James Earl Jones as Mufasa, perfect casting. John Oliver, who, if you don't know who that is, he, I think, was on The on uh, the Daily Show. He's a British comedian. Uh, he was doing stand-up for a while, and now he has his own show. I think it's called Last Week Tonight. Um, I think it's on HBO, maybe. I don't know. But he's a really funny, really intelligent guy. British, so he works as Zazu. Seth Rogen's playing Pumbaa. Billy Eichner from Parks and Rec or Billy on the Street is Timon, and I, he's fucking hilarious. Uh, I am already afraid I should have looked up how you pronounce this dude's name because I'm sure I'm going to do it wrong. But uh, Chituel Ifor, I'm so sorry for butchering that. But he was um, in Selma. He played um, Martin Luther King Jr. in that phenomenal actor. He's playing Scar. And then um, obviously John Favreau's directing. So like the actual cast of the movie I think is really strong. No idea how they're going to do this thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's very early on if they're still announcing casting, but thought it'd be interesting to bring up, and I'm curious to see how that turns out. Um, I do want to see The Jungle Book, because I heard it was actually surprisingly good. It's just one of those where, like, I don't know that I really care about modern adaptations of classic Disney movies that don't need to be remade. Like, literally, The Lion King is not only one of the best Disney movies, but one of the greatest films ever made. Like, why do you need to do this? But that's just me. Um, Two, staying on the Disney side of things, kind of a larger announcement that's come out. They did their quarterly earnings call where they kind of announce how they're doing financially, some of their plans for the future. And um, the earnings call, I guess, wasn't great. Like they had shown, I think it was, I think they had shown a loss, but they made an announcement that they are, over the next several years, pulling all of their content from existing streaming services like Netflix and launching their own. So they're going to have two separate streaming services, one for ESPN and one for Disney content being like their live action and animated movies, the Disney Channel show or stuff and like Disney XD or whatever, that kind of content. No idea. It sucks, man. Yeah. I mean, no idea like how much it's going to cost or like if there's going to be any limitations or if you're going to have like a full access to all of their back catalog or if it's going to come in and out. No idea what that is going to look like. But very interesting move by them. Obviously, Disney is one of the largest companies on the planet. They own fucking everything. But um, it is a bummer to not be able to see that stuff on the existing streaming platforms that we're paying for. But in this move to everyone cutting cable 
and making it more a la carte, this kind of thing was bound to happen. You're already seeing sure. it with, you know, even like a network like Fox has their own streaming service. They still have stuff on Hulu and that kind of thing, but they have their own service. And eventually, because this is the future we've decided we want, everything's going to be its own thing. Um, you're going to be paying for 20 different subscription services and they're probably going to be more expensive than cable was because that's the way shit works. Uh, but, yeah. it, you know, it definitely is a bummer. I'm curious to see how they put this together. And obviously it won't launch for several years at this point. I'm honestly a lot more interested in the ESPN side because um, I don't have cable. I don't want to pay for it. And so I don't get to watch any ESPN. And because, you know, I like sports. I like watching Sports Center. I like watching games and seeing that kind of thing. I, it's not something that I would be super into, but uh, I could potentially see myself investing in a monthly subscription to only watching ESPN and having a little more, like, uh, on-demand a la carte content I think could be interesting. Um, but after they made this announcement, which I thought was really fascinating, and I'm sure other things were implicated in this, but their stock went down after this announcement. And I think <laughs> it was just because um, the financial investment required in this, and it's going to take several years, and obviously yeah. uh, their their television brand has not been as strong. I know Disney XD does pretty well on the cartoon side, and obviously their acquisition of the Star Wars franchise, of Marvel, have, have been excuse me, like really, really huge financial wins for them and bring in so much fucking money. Um, I'm not sure why the stock would go down. I guess it's just because Netflix is such a powerhouse when it comes to streaming services that kind of separating from them could be dangerous. I don't know. I'm not sure what the logic yeah. was. Uh, but but not Marvel, for Disney. If anyone can do that, Well, yeah, Disney. yeah, we'll see. Uh, Marvel has actually announced that they have made their first acquisition which I think is fascinating and a really interesting direction for them to be taking. So the thing they have purchased is Millar World, which for people that aren't aware, which is probably a lot, Millar World is a comic book company created by Mark Millar, who he has been writing comics for decades at this point, was a huge, huge writer in Marvel and DC, and kind of started his own thing. So he is the creative behind Kick-Ass, uh, the Kingsman Secret Service, Wanted, and obviously those comics have made successful transitions to film. And so it makes sense for Marvel to now purchase that IP to theoretically turn into their own television series, movies, etc. So you mean Netflix? I, yes, what did I say? Did I say Marvel. Disney? Oh, yes, Netflix. <laughs> it would be really crazy if Marvel bought them. But um, yeah, so this was like... I, I mean, from a a an entertainment industry enthusiast such as myself, this is like fascinating to me because Marvel or damn it, now I'm, now I'm on my head about it. Netflix has been so focused on creating original content in the last several years, and they've been so successful at it. You can see they're willing to spend less money now on external content, keeping it on their service, and obviously they've put less of a focus on their on disc side of things, which is where they originally started. And right. with so many competitors like Hulu and Amazon and all these solo services, they're clearly not spending as much money to try to keep those things on Netflix. They're willing to let stuff like Scrubs or South Park or The Simpsons or these other big tentpole 
series go to their competitors because they're inv- investing in their own content. And it's been successful. Like Netflix makes so much fucking money. Or actually, the rumor is that they're hugely in debt because of all the investments that they've made. But they make money. And um, Netflix is like the icon for streaming services and they have been for a really long time so i just think it's really really interesting to see them go into the acquisition market versus purely creating things on their own they're now acquiring other ip to then turn it to their own series so this could potentially have like really far-reaching um implications of like because like I, I could see something because you know Mark Millar he's also behind um a really long running um series called Jupiter Circle and that series I'm not like I don't read it I'm f- relatively familiar with it it's like a superhero a, a, a superhero world basically and that to me would make a really good TV show and so I'm sure that's some of their methodology behind acquiring Millar World so anyway okay I just think it's really interesting and I'm curious to see. Yeah. Where this kind of thing goes, not only with this acquisition, but like, do they, is this going to be a new model for them? Are they going to take some of their money they've been spending on original content, put it into acquisitions, or are they going to do both? Uh, that kind of thing. I'm really interested to see the long-term strategy of Netflix. Yeah, me too. That's that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, so final thing I wanted to talk about, and this is more of like a funny story, but a uh, week or so ago... Um, Niantic held a big Pokemon Go event in Chicago. And yes. it was a disaster. <laughs> it was. So they talked about this. I heard about it first on the Giant Bombcast because I played Pokemon Go for a couple days when it came out. Thought, this is a bad video game. And then never touched it again. But apparently there's like a decent amount of people that still regularly play it. I don't oh, yeah. understand why. There's nothing to that game. Like you don't actually, uh-huh. you can't trade with people. You don't really fight with people. Like so there's it's nothing excuse, to it. It's an excuse to get out and like be out. That's kind of, that's the impetus behind yes. it is. It's and about it, getting out. And originally, yes. Like when it launched as a touchstone experience of like being part of the zeitgeist, riding around, going to different gyms, going into the real life woods to catch something, like all that stuff is cool. But that came like that came out a long fucking time ago. It came out like a year ago. I, I'm just surprised this many people are still invested in it. And clearly, Niantic and Nintendo and the Pokemon Company are still making shit tons of money on it. Yeah, but story is that they had this big event. Where they were going to be, like, have a bunch of legendary Pokemon for people to catch. And it was, like, just a big meetup. And they were going to have little games and shit to do. And, again, there's... Fuck, like, it's not even a... It's not even a video game. I don't know what you're <laughs> going to do at this event. But it didn't go so hot. There were big-time uh, internet issues. Which Niantic has come out and started throwing some shade and passing the buck to internet service providers and saying like this isn't on us like there were a couple bugs when people got here but like we fixed them during the event like if you couldn't connect to pokemon go blame your cell phone carrier and so verizon has come back and been like yo we did everything we needed to do it's your guys's fault like at this event people were having problems attaching to pokemon go not YouTube or the internet. It was your platform people were having trouble with, not the internet. So fuck off. So it's been funny yeah. to see like pa- passing the blame. And obviously yeah. like Brands I don't wish ill. Getting at yes. it. 
I don't wish any ill will on anybody that went there. And Niantic has already said, like, they're refunding people's $20 tickets and giving them some, like, in, in-game in stuff as a apology. So, like, I, I'm not, like, happy that people had a bad time. It's just, like, how do you fuck something like that up so I poorly? <laughs> I know. And I guess they, they had another big event that they have canceled, but a, they've, they've planned a couple other ones that they're still going through with. So, hopefully they plan a little bit better. Uh, I guess there were a shit ton of people there, but... No more than they expected to be there. Right, because so they seems... sold tickets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like you had to buy the tickets ahead of time. They knew how many people were going to be there. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that they could mess that up so bad. Who, whoever, Whoever's fault it was. I'm more inclined to believe it was Niantic based on what I've been totally. hearing from, from the other stuff. But uh, regardless, it, it seems pretty nuts that, ev- that an event that big would go so poorly. <laughs> I know. When all, all it requires is internet service. <laughs> yep. So now to wrap up the episode, it's time for everybody's favorite segment, the hate of the week. Hate of the week. So uh, in past episodes, you know, this is a nice fun platform for me to rant a little bit and for Kyle to kind of like reel me back in with some positivity. Uh, and it's been a lot of like external stuff and things that piss me off about society or the internet or whatever it is. And I kind of wanted to turn it a little bit inwards today, um, be a little more self-deprecating, humanize myself so I don't seem like a complete monster to the internet. But um, today I want to talk about something I like to call restless creativity. And this is like I didn't like coin this term. I'm sure it exists other places. I'm not like, trying. I'm not putting a TM at the end of it. But I feel like it it um, speaks to something that I have been affected by a lot in the past several years, and that's just this kind of like meandering from creative outlet to creative outlet. And I think it stems from a couple different things. Um, one is my tendency to like want to try new stuff. So, like, I'll get a little bit bored once I feel comfortable with something. Um, Just to use it as an example. So, like, I started a blog several years ago just on, like, a blogspot site through Google. And I was just doing some random reviews and posts and some stream of consciousness stuff just as, like, a creative outlet for myself. And um, I had, like, a decent... I mean, not, like, a big following, but a a decent following for me. Like, people that expanded beyond my friends... Uh, which to me was success. And I eventually just kind of got bored of it because it wasn't challenging me in any new ways. And so I stopped doing it. And I started a YouTube channel because I know, Kyle, you had a YouTube channel. It seemed like a lot of fun. And I thought I'd learn some new skills. And I did that for a while. And then it got a little overwhelming because of work and some personal stuff. And so I wasn't enjoying it as much. So I kind of just quit that. And then I would, you know, work on uh, like a TV show I was trying to develop. I'd start working on a script and then I'd hit like a wall in that, like a little creative block. And so I'd kind of quit and then I'd move on to the next thing. And so now here I am with Shea Hates Everything. And um, I guess kind of like for me, I feel like I've moved past that in a lot of ways because I'm specifically looking at Shea Hates Everything as like a long-term investment, not as something that is purely a creative outlet. Like I'm looking at it more as a job and it certainly is a creative outlet. It's a hobby. I'm not making any money on it, but I know I'm gaining a lot of valuable skills from it and expanding kind of like my reach and my audience and my quote unquote brand or whatever. And it is just like a fun thing that I'm doing, but I think part of what's helping is looking at it like a job where 
uh, I have certain goals and expectations for myself and I meet them or I don't. And then I readjust and move forward. And also focusing on trying new things inside of Shea Hates Everything, like this podcast. So it's less like, oh, I start this blog, I reach a wall, so I quit and look at a different avenue. It's more like this is my chosen platform to experiment creatively. And so I'm going to experiment as part of Shea Hates Everything. I'm going to do different kinds of posts. I'm going to talk about different kinds of things. I'm going to start like this podcast and experiment with this podcast. Not like, well, Shea Hates Everything is done. Now I'll go do this other thing. So I guess like at the core of it, it's kind of just a frustrating personality trait for myself that I'm working on. But I feel like it's not uncommon for people that are more creatively minded that like to express that creativity to try to do a bunch of different things at once, to try to do a bunch of just different things in general. Um, and especially now that I have such little free time, I really feel like I need to make the most of it. And so I really am like trying to hone in on exactly what I want out of my creative outlet and making that happen. So a really like long-winded explanation of just like kind of like what I've been thinking about, especially the past couple of weeks. So like, do you, I know you kind of have gone through a couple different creative phases for yourself, Kyle, like any thoughts on that or like disagreement on any of that? No, I think everything you say is really valid. Um, I, so I, hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I mean, um, <laughs> so it's like, there's a, there's a difference between um, like having an idea and like a creative outlet and completely dropping it and like you said kind of finding new ways like you're doing with Shea hates everything to keep yeah. that idea alive in different forms like this podcast right um, so that that's different I, I agree like this feels different than your your past creative outlets in that it is a core idea creative outlet for you that uh it's not modular but it's adapt it's adaptive right yeah, you can yeah. you can go about it in so many more different ways so because creativity is is i mean for me for creativity is something that's very difficult to force and that's why i always sure. had a hard time like writing papers and yada 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 because like my last minute papers that i would write in college it's complete crap Right, because they were, it was forced and it wasn't great. But the ones I would do, like I had enough time and I was really feeling writing. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to write this. And then those came out really well. So creative creativity for me, and I feel like a lot of people, is a difficult thing to force. So having a core idea that is adaptable, right? Because before your core idea was, I'm going to do YouTube. And what can yeah. you do on YouTube? Uh, you play games, make videos. Okay, what else? Uh, you can play games and make videos <laughs> like that's it. Right. But this idea, uh -huh. this core idea of Shea hates everything as a brand, there's so many different things you can do with it that as you feel, uh, your creativity pulling you in different directions, um, that lends itself well to that. Uh, it's, it's mm -hmm. a good setup for that kind of stuff so that you don't get too burned out. And when you do, you can still contribute to the brand, but in different ways. So I think the Shea hates everything as a brand is a, is a good um, is a good investment of your time and I haven't necessarily found that kind of brand quote unquote for me yet um, and I don't know that I'm going to because I'm 
I have my fingers in a lot of different pies right now, you know, creatively. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's made it tough. You know, I do worry about, you know, getting burned out on the theater thing at the high school. Um, and I think it, it's most people don't do the same thing their whole lives. I don't sure. believe, you know, they kind of bounce around uh, a bit from time to time. Um, I think that's natural. I think that's normal. You know, companies, they always try to incentivize people, you know, to work there for 50 plus years, you know, whatever. They, you know, <laughs> they want you in for the long haul because you're an investment for them. But I think that's kind of counter to human nature for most people um, to, to live your life that way. Kind of the same thing day to day. Um, yeah. And that can really drive people crazy. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I, I think um, so. Just to sum up my ideas about it, I think Shay, it's everything is a is a good way for you to combat your restless creativity, or not combat sure. it, but to accommodate. kind of funnel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Your restless I, I creativity. Because even like when we talk about like the YouTube stuff, you know, I've played around with the idea of like starting a vlog series as part of Shay hates everything and like experimenting with that. But again, like it's part of this platform that I have created for myself to be able to try different things and like, see if it works. And like, I don't have a problem, you know, like for example, had we started this podcast and it been like, nah, like this format doesn't work or mm, like, I don't like expressing these specific thoughts in this specific way, then fine. But I don't want to, my thing, and which is why this is my hit of the week, I don't want to stop doing things because of either like my laziness or being afraid of putting myself out there or like hitting a wall and not being able to fight through it. And so then I just stop. Like that's a lot of why I would quit things in the past and why... Sure. I honestly feel like I never got where I, where I really wanted to in like actual entertainment and acting and even working on the Dreamwriters project like since then that's really opened up my eyes a lot and I gained so so much experience about um writing and you know pitching a television show and like all the work that goes into that and I feel like I have a lot better of a platform to build upon than I did before so I've actually like fairly recently I, I, I thought it was like, you know what, let me just take a week off from writing a new post on, like, instead of writing two or three new posts for the blog, let me work on one of my television show ideas instead. And so I just kind of spent my time on that with no real goal, just as like a fun outlet and a different way of thinking about things. And I think that's going to be super valuable for me because it's not like I'm not putting pressure on myself of like, if I'm going to spend time working on this, I need to see a return on it, which is like kind of how I feel about the website at times of like, is this post going to get views? And if it isn't, is it really worth my time to do it? Or even mm. like I have three different, three different ideas for a television show. Uh, and so it's like, which one would be the easiest to sell? That's the one I should work on. Like that kind of methodology. And that yeah. I feel like is so wrong. So I'm really trying to get away from that, which is, you know, even on like on my site, like I recently posted, like I wrote, almost a 2000 word review of horizon zero dawn, a game that came out six months ago. Like, and like, I'm proud of the review. I feel really good about it. I really took my time with it. And I, you know, spent like three plus weeks actually working on it, rewriting it. I feel really good about the review. It's not topical. Like Pete, like so many fewer people 
have read that than my like theorizing on the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. Like right. that that post that I put up took a lot less time. It was still fun to write and I put research into it, but like that post was so much more possible or popular than my Horizon Zero Dawn review has been. And, but like I got more creative fulfillment out of the Horizon piece. And so like sure. I just want to do that kind of thing. It's certainly like from a marketing perspective and not to get into like the inside baseball of it. But like if I want to build this thing, I have to play to my audience. Like I have to know the kinds of things they want to see and give that to them just through my voice, which is why like, cause you know, I, I write reviews every week for the game of Thrones episodes. And I typically will throw in a little bit of theorizing in the review of like something we might expect to see in the next episode or like this little thing that was said, what this might mean long-term. And I think I'm pretty good at that stuff. I got a lot of good feedback on that. So I was talking to Kelly about it and she was like, spin that off into its own post. Like, People might not be super interested in your review of it because they can get that anywhere, but they can't get that specific take on this theory or this line that was said. They can't get that anywhere. So put that in a specific post by itself, and I feel like you're going to get more traffic, which definitely happened. And yeah. that traffic led to more views on that review. And again, like I don't want to like go too deep into like the back end of it, but just that kind of thinking as a marketer when I'm at work, I get it. But once I turn that side of my brain off and do it for me, for, like as a hobby to get enjoyment out of it, I don't want to do that shit. Like I don't want to think about using keywords that will show up in Google. I don't want to think about like making a, the title a question to get more people to click. I don't want right. to do that shit because it doesn't feel real to me. When I'm at work and I can put on that hat, it's fine. But when I come home, I just want to put my voice out there and people to enjoy it for that reason. And one, that's unrealistic. And two, like, who gives a fuck about me right now? <laughs> like, no one knows who the <laughs> hell I am. No one gives a shit about my opinion right now. I think they should and they will, get one but of they those. don't. Sarah Ha whatever accounts and and uh, see what people say about you, Shay. Oh, is that like all like just anonymous stuff? Yes, it's a yeah that terrifies fire. me. I know I'm a big enough asshole, and my sarcasm does not come across well to a lot of people. I would be terrified of what people would say about me. I'd rather just put it out there like this, and if you got a problem with me, come to my face. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's just it's less of like a rant hate of the week and more just like it's a personality trait that I've identified on myself that I think is really frustrating and holds me back a lot that I think talking about out loud when I think you know there are plenty of people out there that can kind of commiserate a little bit with it especially when it comes to like the experimentation and creativity and kind of that unfulfillment um that that is or that fulfillment that is lacking but also putting it out on the internet might help me you know rein it in and hold myself a little more uh responsible for it so yeah just just some some thoughts some thoughts and ideas and (laughs) it's just me you know it's just me you guys just putting myself out there (laughs) take Uh, it or leave it (laughs) no don't take it or leave it because you'll probably leave it please take it please (laughs) just take it uh so there you go everybody that is going to be the end of this episode six of the Shades Everything podcast. Thanks for listening. It's a bit of a meteor episode. It's been a while, so we had a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, yeah. We are going to do our best to now stick to our every other week. We're going to plan a little better for the future, but uh, you know <laughs> things do happen, and like you know, um, especially houses Colin, get you go, bought, people yeah, get houses engaged. get bought, people get engaged, fantasy football starts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, 
we'll, we'll uh, keep you guys updated and we'll be back with even more in the future. If you have any thoughts or opinions, uh, send an email to info at shayhateseverything.com. You can also submit questions and stuff to us um, to talk about on the podcast. Or, you know, if you don't want to take the effort to write an email, you can always send a message on Facebook or, you know, you can check out the Shay Hates Everything, uh, Shay Hates Everything Facebook page. Leave a comment on there and um, I check it regularly. So thanks everybody for listening, Kyle. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. As always. And um, we'll see y'all or I guess we'll talk to y'all in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.